Next, a study which flips previous thinking about Alzheimer's disease upside down. Removing the bad stuff from the brain may be the wrong approach, or at least not enough, because the so-called bad stuff may also be doing good. Does your head in. What I'm talking about is a protein called amyloid in the brains of people with Alzheimer's disease. The lead researcher was Alberto Espe, who's professor of neurology at the University of Cincinnati. Thank you for inviting me. Now, we've done a lot on the health reports, and I've done a bit on television on this issue of amyloid and Alzheimer's disease. And I must say, some of this, a lot of the coverage has been quite sceptical, because every time you seem to introduce a new drug to remove the amyloid plaque from the brain, it doesn't seem to work, although there's an indication maybe there's a new trial that might have shown some benefit. And now you in this study have shown yet something else that's contradictory, that does your head in a little bit, because many people talk about amyloid as if it's like cholesterol. And if only you reduce the amyloid, like you reduce cholesterol, you're going to reduce Alzheimer's disease. But if the results of your research are right, that may not be the right approach. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. The amyloid framework has really been one-sided. We figure, well, here are these things that look really bad. And why don't we just think they are the cause of the problem? But once you start looking at the story from the two sides of the protein aggregation process, then you realize that what we're calling the cause of the problem, the amyloid plaques, is really one end of the process. And the normal protein is at the other end. So in other words, what you've got is abnormality on one side, the plaques, just to reiterate what you've just said. And on the other side, you've got this protein called amyloid, which has a function in the brain, which nobody's too sure about. And it's circulating in your blood and it's doing stuff which may actually be doing you good, which is what you discovered in this study. Right. And the caveat here is that we think that these proteins are actually in the brain, mostly. There probably is a way to measure them in blood. We measured them in the spinal fluid, which is what surrounds the brain. Now, your study wasn't just into anybody who might develop Alzheimer's disease. It was a specific group of people who had a genetic susceptibility. Yeah, that's correct. And I just want to make sure that one aspect is very clear, and that is that most of us have amyloid in our brains as we age. But very few of us with amyloid go on to develop Alzheimer's disease, the condition in which there is dementia. However, the levels of the normal protein are going to be invariably low. With dementia, the amyloid beta levels are already low. And so that's uh, very important. And that part we've just neglected in the trials, the trials that you have uh, mentioned at the beginning are trials that are aiming at reducing the concentration of the plaques. In some cases, in addition to reducing the concentration of the plaques, some of these drugs reduce the concentration of the precursor, the soluble normal protein, the A-beta-42, which is already low to begin with. And of course, in those cases, patients have worsened. And the reason that they've said that they're low, so it's not a new observation, is this, oh, well, it's been chewed up by the plaques. So the plaques are sucking it out of the brain, and that's why it's low. They've kind of just cast it off. It's not a serious issue because, well, why wouldn't it be low? But your research, to some extent, contradicts that. Yeah. The plaques today were normal proteins yesterday. And so that's what's perhaps best to think about. Uh, plaques aren't there to begin with, 
plaques are the end result of normal proteins, which are in a dissolvable, we call them soluble state. They aggregate into an insoluble, and that's the amyloid plaques. So amyloid plaques are really the end life, the end of the life of a protein, of a normal protein. And we have assumed that the minute the proteins turn into plaques, they turn toxic. So the alternative is that the moment the proteins turn into amyloid plaques, they can no longer function. In fact, that is what we tested with our study. Now, your study was into people with a genetic propensity to Alzheimer's disease. And I mean, just to jump to the finding, the finding was these people had a strong genetic tendency to develop Alzheimer's disease. But in fact, those whose proteins remained high, in other words, the soluble proteins that hadn't yet gone into the plaque, that when their levels were high, that was protective against dementia. Absolutely. That's exactly right. So even though the individuals that had a mutation were predicted to have dementia, those that continue to generate levels of the normal protein, the A-beta-42, at a high level, remained normal over the span of the study, over a three-year period. And that is particularly interesting because we focused on individuals that already have plaques. And in our narrative, those of us who have plaques, including those who have mutations, are in what we refer to as the Alzheimer's continuum. They already have the disease, even if they may not have any symptoms. So in in this situation, we were interested in understanding, is it possible that the plaques in a context of a normal cognition is possible because the levels of the protein remain high. And that's exactly what we found. Now, this is a specific group of people who've got a genetic propensity. Is there any indication that those of us who develop amyloid plaques as we age yet don't develop dementia, that we too have high levels of the soluble protein, the soluble amyloid? Absolutely. We, in fact, did that study last year. So we published a similar analysis last year in a cohort of individuals that already have plaques, but they had no mutations. And we essentially tested the same hypothesis and in fact found what we have found in the genetic cohort just the same. What makes the genetic study more poignant though is that in our concept of what Alzheimer's is, we have often come into the idea that amyloid must be toxic because we have people who have a mutation that quote, overexpress amyloid. And while that is somehow true in the sense that amyloid formation in most genetic, not all, but most genetic causes of Alzheimer's is definitely overexpressed, well, that is overexpressed because it's depleting the normal protein. So these plaques also come from normal protein. And the more plaques a brain makes, the lower the levels of the normal protein. And that's irrelevant. It turns out that losing more of that is quite consequential. And that part has been missing from the research in Alzheimer's and, of course, from the therapeutic endeavors. Two questions. The first one is, do we know what the soluble protein does in the brain? What we do know is that A-beta-42, the normal protein, is a neurotrophic factor. It allows the neurons to grow, to to be able to communicate with one another, etc. So it really is important. Do we know what factors keep your soluble levels of amyloid up? 
That's a great question. I don't think we have an answer. We don't know. It is possible that there may be an effect of the environment, the, the diet, etc. But we honestly don't actually know what that might be. And what about medications to raise it? So that's actually what we are working on. There are none medications that raise it. And that is in part because there really hasn't been, as I mentioned earlier, much of an interest on the other side of the story. The fact that proteins are being depleted, are being consumed in the process of transforming into amylo plaques. And with colleagues at the Karolinska Institute uh, and the University of Eastern Finland, we are already working on how to replenish the levels of the normal proteins using an intravenous infusion. What's interesting, though, you mentioned at the beginning that there may be an exception in the anti-amyloid treatments that could be conceivably giving rise to a modest but significant cognitive benefit, and that's lecanemab. Now, the phase 2b, which is the study that inspired the current one, even though that study was negative, what it did show, though, is that this drug is capable of raising the levels of the soluble, the normal protein. So it'd be fascinating to know what the magnitude of increase of the normal protein is, and perhaps it really goes above compensation defined in our studies. Neurodegeneration is really a process of loss. We lose everything, neurons, glia, proteins, everything. It's literally a loss, and that's why the brain shrinks. And somehow in our narrative forever, we've held on to the idea that it is a problem of gain. And the gain is that of toxicity of proteins. And it's very unfortunate because we love narratives in which there is a villain. And of course, toxic protein gives us the reason to go and strike it as an enemy. And unfortunately, we have never done anything good with it. And so this study hopefully will allow us to think that, yeah, what's most important in neurodegenerative conditions, Alzheimer's in particular, is that there is a loss and that perhaps if the loss is less, if individuals are able to sustain a level of protein above a certain compensation threshold, they remain normal. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Norman. Thank you for inviting me. Alberto Espo is Professor of Neurology at the University of Cincinnati and the same principle may apply, he thinks, to Parkinson's disease and other neurodegenerative diseases of the brain in terms of the proteins that are involved in them. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.